Running away from people now, 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporter's <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fonte was always soft. Can't uh, win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass end zone. Touchdown and the ball game. DeVito in relief wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Welcome in to Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg and Darius Joshua from News Channel 9 in with us today. Got a lot to get to. World Series wraps up last night. Um, More questions surrounding the game than what actually happened in the game. And there were some things to question. We also want to talk a little Syracuse basketball because four weeks from today, the college basketball season, I guess I should add, is supposed to start as Fair. games are allowed to get underway four Fair. weeks from today. Syracuse football also on the table. 315-437-7644. Darius, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. It's nice to be back. Yeah, nice welcome back. welcome back in. And, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting day that you're here with us because we went so long without a major sporting event. We went, what, from, from March 12th through... Uh, like July, yeah, somewhere where around where ba- baseball and basketball season started, um, with no major sporting event, and today is the first day since baseball season began that there is not an NBA, MLB, NHL, or NFL game. It is the first time in a like three months that we haven't had anything. Just a, a I think three months to the day actually that we we haven't had anything. Yeah, it was kind of interesting uh, as the World Series and the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs were winding down. I was like, "Oh, we're actually going to enter back into the point where we're oddly having less sports. We're normally obviously the NHL and NBA and NFL all going at the same time, obviously with the college sports too. But now it's it's less than now it's just football all the time until potentially as you said, uh, college basketball is supposed to start. Uh, we, we may see the NBA start up again before the end of the year. NHL won't be till next next year in, in January or so. So it, it's kind of a, a weird time again where we're sort of in an unusual pause or lack of sports uh, going on. Yeah, it's it's very strange because you know we're past the point where um, we're past the point where there wouldn't be basketball or there wouldn't be hockey. Like there would be right now. Yeah. Um, it probably would have started about two weeks ago where things would have gotten underway, and you know college basketball season would have been starting in like four days, and, <laughs> and instead it's not. So it's it's definitely a strange strange time. Uh, but you know we just got three months of of just overload, and you know as I was reminded yesterday when you saw. The, the the announcement of college game day like the masters is in two weeks that's <laughs> insane to me uh, but you know what like it's it's what happens this year and um as we say it's what happens this year what an appropriate end of the world series last night where yeah you had the game and like yeah you could a champion you was could, crowned there was a champion <laughs> and like you could complain about what they did with Blake Snell and you could say Mookie Betts was awesome and you could you could point all of those things out but then a player just mysteriously disappeared in the eighth inning, and there was no explanation of it until afterwards when you find out that Justin Turner uh, tested positive for coronavirus. They found out in the middle of the game, which I'm still not comprehending. They found out in the middle of the game, and they were like, get him off the field right now. 
Doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, a lot of questions raised. Uh, basically, uh, as, as uh, I believe it was Ken Rosenthal kind of running it down on Fox last night, where they, they do their tests every day. They've been doing the tests every day for all the players, and then family members are kind of in the quote-unquote MLB bubble that they had, even though there were you know tons and tons of fans there. Um, where they get the, they do the test Monday, they get the results in the second inning, and somehow the test that they had taken day of the game on Tuesday, they rush those ones back and don't get those back till the seventh. So if he has a positive and it's unclear if it's inconclusive or if it's unclear if it's false, why is he even playing at all? Like that's right. that's, re, that's question number one is why is he even playing well, at all? Well, no, I'll go back further. Question number one is how do the tests from the previous day not get processed until nine o'clock at night the next day? Fair, yeah. That's like how a, that's a fair how, how does it take that long to get the results? And is this the process that they've been going through all season? Because if somehow this is the process they've been going through all season, it's a minor miracle that we haven't seen players being pulled out of games on a regular basis. Yeah, and if not all season, then throughout the, all the bubble playoffs where the teams were in you know, San Diego, Texas, all those sort of locations for those playoff games. Now you're wondering, back then, like, was there a positive that popped up? Like, say there was a Game 7, the positive popped up that day, but like, ah, well, we already played the game. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, no one needs to know about it now, that kind of thing. But instead, this one is what pops up in the World Series. Now, if there was a Game 7, could they play? Who knows? I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. How Does, does I mean, Justin Turner would not be playing tonight. Yes. Well, but I don't does, know. I don't well, know. They, maybe they told him, They told him, hey, don't go out on the field. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go out on the field. You're like, right. oh, well, we You're couldn't right. stop him. He went out there. And right. He's, maybe he's he would. Do whatever he wanted. Take look that at, team photos. Look at Justin Turner. Who's stopping that guy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, so he probably wouldn't be playing. I think that, that you would have to assume he doesn't. But... Like, what about contact tracing? He was high-fiving people in the dugout. You know, he was sitting next he's to people. like for, you know, seven innings. That's like two and a half hours. Like he's, Oh, it's he's, more than that. Yeah, and then obviously the, the pregame warm-ups, all that. He's, he's out there forever, basically. And it's almost like, like, well, take him out of the game, sure. But what does it really do for his teammates that he was around throughout the entire time, uh, throughout the entire game? And then obviously he's taking the team photo in the World Series. He goes back out and gets the trophy. He's out there with his wife. It just raises a lot of questions about... Like, ah, he insisted. Like, okay. There was a video of him kissing his wife. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like. Which, like, like, just seems questionable after you test positive. Yeah. It doesn't. It's like, ah, I don't have any symptoms. Like, okay, but you tested positive. Like, you. Right. You're carrying this thing. Even if you took a third test and somehow that one was negative, like, I feel like we should be approaching this this with some caution. And I understand. Obviously, they win the World Series. There's a lot of emotion about it. You don't want to be out there or not out there, you know, celebrating with your teammates and all that. But I feel like just from a safety standpoint, you're gonna have to suck it up and take that out in that way, where you're like, you know, I'll I'll get the celebration at an eventual parade, maybe, you know, whenever we have fans back at Dodger Stadium, like we can do that sort of thing, and you know, have the trophies and all that. But instead, you want to get out there and celebrate, and it just doesn't look good. <laughs> and and the fact that it's just like, ah, oh, we insisted he not go, and then he went. It's like, do we not have more authority to tell a player like, hey, you're not going back out there? I'm sorry, but you should just isolate here in the locker room or get your stuff, go back to the hotel and ice. Like, I feel like we need a little more authority there from, from some of the powers that be at the MLB. Yeah. And it, it kind of shows the problem that baseball's had through most of this, where they've just kind of, kind of sort of made it up as they've gone along. Remember when the first outbreak happened with the Marlins, it was like, well, the players really want to play. <laughs> yeah, but maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> You know, and, actually, and they, I think a, they did. Didn't didn't the Marlins initially vote and then they played? Isn't yes, that, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and it was like they had a group text and they decided they wanted to play. I was like, 
but that's not their choice. Like, they shouldn't be the one making that decision. And so then ultimately they, they get pulled out for two weeks and Major League Baseball scrambles and readjusts the schedule and, you know, rejiggers things so that teams are still playing. Um, you know, and, and they did that. And then the Cardinals have the issues and they re- readjust the schedule again so that teams continue to play. And they just kind of did all of it on the fly where it never seemed like they actually had some kind of um, great protocol. And, uh, you know, I I would I would say college is college football is in like a similar boat, but it seems like college football, at least like has an understanding of like, hey, if we have these many tests in this many in these specific areas, we're not going to play because guess what? Like we can't, you know, you, you we won't have enough players to get on the field if we have tests, positive tests in certain areas. So you understand the qualifications for postponing games. Uh, Major League Baseball has just said, okay, like one guy, like, yeah, we can keep going through one guy, four guys, maybe we should postpone. And, and like, you saw that again last night. Oh, there's a test in the second inning that's inconclusive and he might have this, he might potentially have this virus. Ah, let him keep going. Oh, but it came back in the seventh inning and, and, and he doesn't have it or, and he is positive. Well, then I guess we should take him out. Like it's, it's all just deciding to do things whenever they feel it's uh, beneficial to them, right? It's beneficial to them to, to put their foot down and say, Hey, he's not healthy. He's got to get off the field. Um, It's not beneficial to them to take him off the field in the second inning when you don't know whether he's healthy or not. Yeah. And and that's, that's the the first problem that you mentioned, you know, right off the bat that you can't not know whether or not a player is positive or not before the game. Like you need to know that well before the game takes place at all, really in, in any instance, whether it's, you know, game six, of the world series or just a regular game on a Wednesday, you need to know, all available parties are healthy or should be healthy enough to play in that in that scenario where uh, you you really can't have if he had not played at all like say they they got the test before the game and then they saw it was positive and he wasn't in the lineup it would have raised some questions and then afterwards you're just like oh yeah we took him out of the lineup because of COVID nineteen I think that's easier to digest for people like oh well all right you took him out like even though it's still like well he was around his teammates during the off day I imagine he was around his teammates in game five but still you're like ah oh, we got the test back he's not playing like it makes it a little easier. Than being like, yeah, I just kind of, I was told to take him out, and I took him out, well, and but, then he's, we but, see him later. It's but Darius, how many times have we heard over the last eight months out of an abundance of caution? Yeah, right. Like <laughs> yeah. that phrase is something that like had been in the the dialogue, but over the last eight months, it has become the dialogue. Yeah. And and like if if da- if Dave Roberts had just come out and been like. Hey, out of an abundance of caution, we we took Justin Turner out and didn't give any other reason. Everybody would know what he meant, and yeah. like you could just pull that. Yeah, if he just wasn't in line, it wasn't all among the bench players. Like, kind of makes sense. And that also reminded me of what you said. Like, I feel like yes, college football has like a plan in terms of they have like a metric in terms of how many tests or positive tests there are. Like, yeah, let's take these these guys out; they can't play. But still, I feel like them and the NFL and MLB, it was all like. Yeah, we got protocols in place, and then we'll just, you know, if we have positives, we'll see what happens, and, like, we'll kind of deal with it. And that's what happened with the NFL, where all of a sudden they're, like, doing a, you know, it's like a like a puzzle piece where they're moving around schedules, moving around teams, and where they're playing. Same thing the MLB did. Right. And the same thing that college football's done itself. Like, obviously, Syracuse opponent this week, Wake Forest, they had a game postponed with Notre Dame that got moved all the way down to the, you know, the end of the season. So, it's kind of been that sort of thing, where it's just like, if it happens, we'll deal with it, and we'll figure it out, and... And we'll just kind of, you know, work around all the TV contract stuff and all the location stuff about teams traveling. And I feel like it was more of a when it happens, we'll deal with it. I, maybe they took the approach of if when it should have really been when it happens, we'll deal with it. And and obviously we've seen how it sort of turned out for all those leagues in general. 
Yeah, and you know, it, it was pretty funny, Darius, to to compare this. And I don't know if you mentioned if you uh, noticed what I noticed, and and that is um, at the end of the NBA Finals, I thought it was really funny that all of a sudden. Uh, Adam Silver was allowed on the floor and Jeannie Buss was allowed on the floor and Rachel Nichols didn't have to wear her mask and the families and the, the wives, girlfriends, kids could could come down to the court and they could hug their um, you know, their dads or their husbands or boyfriends or whatever it might be. But I was like, you know what? You've you've made it, right? Like you finished doing what you had to do. And and yes, like it doesn't send a great message of well, we just needed you for these two months. Now go do whatever the heck you want. Like, it doesn't send the best message, but I also get it. Like, they're going to go back into life, and they're going to go interact with people, and they're going to go, you know, hug their wives and their kids and, and whatever. So, okay. Like, I, I get it. And then you saw it last night, except last night they had a positive test in the middle of the game. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, it struck me as odd when it happened in basketball, and they didn't have somebody test positive in the third quarter yeah yeah <laughs> and and then here you have you know clayton kershaw giving high fives and hugging people and you know justin turner coming out and hugging players and giving his wife a kiss on the field after testing positive and it like it was so mind-blowing to me to see all these visuals given like everything else i've seen since march yeah, I think the only instance of the NBA having a, even close to a positive during the bubble was DeAndre Ayton like, missed the first half of a game because he had an inconclusive test, or he, he was late to the test or something along those lines, and then he showed up. That was the only instance. But then, again, he's not there. You can assume why he's not there. He either missed a test or had a positive or an inconclusive test. He shows up like, oh, okay, he's all good. And that's that would have been something. I think that would have been a, almost an inspirational thing. Like, say, like they needed him to come in. Justin Turner's not there. Then all of a sudden, in the seventh or eighth inning, oh, we need a pinch hit. And they're like, we need oh, a big Justin at bat, Turner. big at bat. Justin Turner wasn't there. Like, that's like a more, you know, obviously it adds a more heroic and, and historic kind of moment for him if they needed a big at bat somehow late. And he wasn't there initially. And he just like comes running from the hotel over to the to the stadium to get into the game kind of thing. It's just like Kirk Gibson. Yeah, exactly. Could have been his own little his own little moment, uh, and and it's interesting too because at the end of those both the NHL and the NBA bubbles, like there was a l- less family at the NHL situation, but they, they I th- believe they allowed them out on the ice, and then obviously the players they just hung out in the locker room afterwards and celebrated there. The, the Lakers kind of did a similar thing, and then when they left, they went to I think they went to Vegas actually. Uh, but it's interesting you get to the end and it's like oh you know there's no positives at all, and then you are this close to saying that at least through the playoffs portion of the MLB. And it just it was just that close, and it, it really almost all fell apart in that way. Yeah, I mean, Major League Baseball hadn't had a positive test since, like, August. Yeah. And yeah. then had that in the biggest moment. So, and ironically, too, the two teams with the with the most issues still made the playoffs as well. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but just, just a wild cap to it. And, um, I mean, it was bound to happen. Like, it was bound to happen in one of these sports settings. We had seen it a ton of times in college football. Like, we're used to it in college football. We're used to it in the NFL. We weren't used to it in the bubble. And, you know, I don't know how much letting as much family in or letting fans in, I don't know how much that, you know, mattered as far as, you know, the bubble wasn't as secure. Um, You know, you you have 11,000 fans, they're spread out across the stadium, and none of them are sitting in the first five to ten rows anywhere across uh, around the perimeter of the field. I don't know how fans impact that. 
but like it wasn't a true bubble in the way that the yeah. NBA and the NHL were. And you know, you do have to wonder if that's what contributed to you know a positive showing up in in MLB where it didn't in the other leagues. I think if you're the MLB too, you have to do some extensive contact tracing on, on Justin Turner. You need to find out where he was in that sort of sense because once you get to the bubble, even if it has uh, it's not as secure maybe as an NBA or NHL bubble with as their fans are allowed. You still need to figure out how did this happen because there's a chance you may have to do this again next year. You need to be able to make sure that you can uh, actually get through this without any positive tests, and, and you need to make sure that obviously all the players who are involved in, in the World Series or throughout the playoffs in general are following all the potential rules that, that would be in place to make sure that everybody kind of stays safe, not only the players but obviously the managers and then team staff and all that sort of stuff too. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think there's no doubt about that. You look at uh, look at the numbers, look at look at the facts of, of what is going on right now. Uh, there's no question that that bubbles might be on the table for next year. And Major League Baseball said they lost three billion dollars um, and have loaded up uh, like eight billion dollars mm-hmm. of debt over the course of this season, and that's with a sixty game schedule. So I'd imagine they would like to try and get some of that inventory back. Uh, you know, to play some more games and get some more money out of their TV partners and their advertising partners yeah. so that they can maybe not lose $3 billion next year and make that a little bit closer to normal. Yeah, I think theoretically, too, they're by the only league kind of on schedule. I mean, maybe obviously the NFL, too, potentially. We'll see how their season goes throughout the rest of this year. But they're the only league kind of on schedule to just kind of start up as normal. Uh, they know, or at least they're probably comfortable enough with how things went this year, and maybe they're just like, all right, players just need a little more... Um, you know, attention to detail in that way, kind of a little more seriousness about it, and we can get through this a little smoother. We won't have you know two teams with like two week outbreaks that that kind of delay the season and make a lot of changes. I think they're comfortable enough with that, or at least they'll, they've proven to be comfortable enough with that, where they can actually get closer to their full game schedule and then actually get through the World Series in that sort of sense. And, and they, I imagine they would do the bubbles again because theoretically, they have it almost to. yeah, well, and they have to, and then it almost worked out perfectly in terms of no no more positive tests. So. Uh, I think the key for them is obviously get closer to the 162, get through the playoffs again, and they can actually start up relatively around the same time you would think in terms of spring training and all that sort of stuff in the actual regular season too, as opposed to the NBA and NHL who have uncertainties about their arenas. They have no idea if fans are ever going to be allowed back in, at least not for next year. Yeah, no no question about that. Why don't we do this? Let's take time out. We'll come back. Uh, let's talk about the actual game because there was – uh, there was some stuff that happened in the actual game, uh, including Blake Snell's early removal. And then we'll get into some Syracuse football, some Syracuse basketball talk as well. 315-437-7644. Seth Goldberg, Darius Joshua with you here on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back here on Orange Nation, Seth Goldberg, Darius Joshua with you. Don't forget, you can follow us on twitch.tv slash Talk. If you hit the follow button on the page, you will get notifications when we go live. We are live from noon to 6 every day. You can also hear from Dino Babers. Watch your Syracuse football pre- and post-game shows. And don't forget, if you can't watch them live, all shows on demand anytime at twitch.tv slash Talk. Well, Darius, why don't we get into Syracuse football a little bit. Why don't we start off by going to the phones? we got Brian in Syracuse on the line. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hey guys, how's it going today? Good, how are you? Good, good. 
Um, I, you know, given the history between Wake and Syracuse, I actually give nod to the Orange in this game, given uh, how they played last game. You know, they didn't surrender to Clemson. Everybody thought they were going to lay down and die, but that didn't happen. And you know, they played remarkably well. Respect. You know, they showed a level of respect they haven't shown this entire year. And Wake Forest has always played Syracuse tough. Uh, you know, I think it's. I wouldn't really call it a rivalry. But I would love to see some sort of rivalry with a school in the ACC, like we used to have in the Big East. You know, West Virginia was a common, you know, common rival. I mean, those some of those games were just exceptional. And you know, I as a longtime fan, I miss that completely. You know, I think that it'll take time, and I, I understand what you're saying. I think that everybody. Uh, misses having a legitimate football rivalry, and it's it's taking time. It's going to, um, and I know you're probably looking and saying, "Well, it's been what seven years now that you've been in the ACC." Um, Syracuse has largely been non-competitive in those seven years. You know, they've had the one year where they were legitimately good, um, and and they had one year where they went to a bowl game, and that that's about it. Uh, so I I, th- I think that it's going to take. Um, being legitimately competitive to build a rivalry. Maybe that is Wake Forest. Maybe it's Boston College. Maybe it's Pittsburgh. Maybe, you know, I don't I don't know who it is. Um, I'm not saying that it'll be a rivalry with Clemson, but they're clearly a thorn in their side uh, to some extent. But it, you need to be competitive to build a rivalry. Yeah, I think uh, Coach Babers, obviously, he would lean on the Pittsburgh and Boston College, the history of those those series between those two teams or those three teams. And I would say that's probably as close as you get. The only thing is obviously Boston College. Uh, it seems like since they've been in the ACC, Boston College either dominates Syracuse or Syracuse somehow wins a, a close one. And Pittsburgh, it's it's been more back and forth, but it has obviously favored Pittsburgh more of the years. Obviously, everyone remembers the you know the near 120, more than 120 points combined in that series. And it's interesting in that call that he brought up a rivalry because I actually kind of was thinking I was like, oh, Wake Forest and Syracuse have had some interesting battles even before they were you know conference. They have, but was, even though they haven't played that much. Uh, I remember one of my favorite games in the Dome was Syracuse came back and won in triple overtime against Wake Forest. And then, you know, you have the game where John Walford comes here, runs all over Syracuse. They they went in dominant fashion. I think they dropped like 60-something points in that game. And then <laughs> yeah. you have last year, where, you know, Trilliams with the, with the pick or the, uh, I guess, fumble recovery for, for a touchdown. Um, so it is kind of, there's some instances in this in, in between these two teams. Uh, and, and maybe this is the one, you know, I think I remember it was actually us on the show talking about the basketball one. Like, who would be that basketball? Everybody thinks it's kind of like Duke in that scenario. It's just more of a – it adds it's the most marquee matchup, obviously, with the coaches and the history of the two programs. Um, and it's kind of a similar thing with football where you do need to obviously start playing better. You need to be more competitive not only in your own division of the conference but just in the conference in general. And that sort of adds to it where you kind of have more of those rivalry things where there's things on the line when you play. Right, you can't you can't build a rivalry if the game means nothing for mm-hmm. for ever. You know, mm-hmm. the, the game needs to have some kind of stakes. You need to be playing for. Uh, I'm not say saying trophies. For, you yeah, could yeah, say I'm, trophies. I'm, I'm not saying you have to be playing for conference titles, but play for uh, conference standing. Play for uh, you know the ability to go to a bowl game, uh, the ability to go to a better bowl game, whatever it might be. And and Syracuse just hasn't been doing that in these games. Yeah, and and you could, I think part of it, the one thing to add to a natural rivalry when you don't necessarily have bowl games necessarily on the table, but if you had a trophy, and I think when in my time in Iowa, a lot of the Big Ten schools they have trophies between each other. It's kind of weird 
And you think about it, that Syracuse and Pitt, Syracuse and BC, they don't have a trophy to play for. Even, you know, Syracuse and Colgate, just how much they play together. Like, you just, you know, there should be something on the line in that instance where the only trophy really Syracuse had was the Ben Schultzwelder one with West Virginia. And, and, uh, and that obviously now sits with Syracuse last time they played in in that bowl game, even though it wasn't on the table there. Um, I think that's one thing that can sort of add to it. It sort of adds a little something, but you can't naturally, you can't just come up with one. It has to sort of be a natural sort of thing. Uh, between the between the two schools, and, right. and it's hard to have that kind of natural thing where you're sort of the uh, the new kid on still sort of similar to the new kid. These things the take time to build, and Syracuse hasn't done that quite yet. Uh, let's take a time out. We'll come back. We'll talk more uh, SU Wake Forest next. If you want to get on the line, three one five four three seven seven six four four the number to call. We continue on ESPN Radio and Twitch TV next slash Q Sports Talk next. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two here on Orange Nation. Seth Goldberg, Darius Joshua with you. Up until 2 o'clock, we'll pass you off to Rainzilla. That's a rain, your sportszilla, Rain and Matt coming at you. And then, of course, on the block with Brent Axe. So, a lot going on. A lot of sports talk after the World Series. And I, I mentioned this off the top of the show. Um, I don't necessarily hate it, Darius, but... The first time since July that there is no baseball, football, basketball, or hockey game at the professional level tonight. Um, I don't necessarily hate it. I had a lot of Netflix binges going that just went totally by the wayside. And, uh, you know, I, it might be nice to get back to that a little yeah. bit. So I, I don't hate that I don't have anything to watch. Yeah, you got you can kick up the feet a little bit. Do have to say, like the new rejoins. But uh, yes. it, it is it is nice to kind of not... Be like, oh, there's not another game on. I got to watch. Like, kind of can just be like, oh, oh, there's actually no games on. I can watch what I want. I could, you know, do what I want. I can read a book. I can, you know, watch TV. I can do whatever. Got to um, get back to Breaking Bad and West Wing. Ah, nice. I watch an in a interesting, while. an interesting double, uh, t- double uh, binge at the Community same time. Also, I'm currently I, I doing the, all of them. Currently doing the Wire is what I'm doing. Okay, I'm really I haven't done that wire. yet. That is a, it's a good time. Good I also, time. I also do want to watch uh, Ted Lasso. Which I haven't gotten to yet. I yeah, I've, I've but seen I've heard it. good things. I've seen it, but I've not uh, not been intrigued enough to check it out. I I've just heard good things. I'm not mm. all that intrigued by it, but mm. I've heard good enough things that like I'll check an episode. Yeah, that's fair. We'll see. That's fair. Um, I wanted to talk basketball with you, Darius, because we were talking about this in the break. But four months, uh, four weeks, not months, four weeks. I was talking about months before with sports. Four weeks from tonight uh, is the start of the college basketball season. There, uh, you know going to get things underway somehow not in orlando not in disney world as as we saw those <laughs> bubbles all uh all pop all burst but uh they're going to start things up in four weeks and we don't know a syracuse schedule yet we don't know when they're playing yet but four weeks from tonight college basketball gets underway yeah somehow some way they're, they're going to get out there uh it's certainly you know amid some big conferences you know canceling games and and obviously the ACC's had to do that rescheduling things and, and whatnot it almost looks like eh, are we really going to be able to do this so until it happens until a ball is actually thrown up and, and a jump ball actually happens and balls are going through the net I'll, I won't get too excited but it is it is nice to see that they're um it looks like they're in line to do so uh how they will figure out um you know all the games and, and whatnot and the stipulations that that are on 
both men's and women's basketball teams, it, it'll be remain to be seen. Uh, it would be nice to have an idea of how the schedules will turn out. We still don't have that for Syracuse men's basketball or women's basketball. Um, so that'll be nice to see whenever that actually comes down. And you actually be like, oh, all right, they're playing this team then, playing that team then, and playing that team then, and actually kind of start thinking about what the actual you know records may actually look like, what these teams will actually look like once we actually see them. Because right now it's all been just all practice, limited, obviously, uh, availability there. Um, and obviously for both teams, they kind of have some high expectations, at least both teams locally here, Syracuse men's and women's basketball, they have some high expectations for what they can accomplish. Yeah, I mean, I think the women's team in particular, you know, has, has high expectations with the recruiting class that they brought in. It's going to be interesting to watch. And, um, you know, I, I think what you said, you know, you're not going to believe it until the ball is tipped. That's kind of the approach that I've taken this whole time with with all the sports. You know, I've, I've kind of thought, um, you know, you, you can't, you can't think that football game is going to play be played until it's played, and we saw that with Syracuse's first home game. Yeah. They delayed the game twenty five minutes because they had to get things figured out. You know, now Wisconsin's going to be out for how many weeks, and and you know, on and on down the list. So, like, I think that the same kind of holds true for basketball. When basketball starts, I'll believe that basketball is starting. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of excited for it. Like, I'm ready for it. You look at the Syracuse men's team. They've got five of their top six players from last year back. They've got, uh, you know, a, a transfer that, you know, is pretty, uh, you know, it's well-regarded. I, I don't know how highly regarded, but I think is well-regarded uh, coming in to fill that that sixth spot in the rotation, you know, that, that was left by Elijah Hughes. And I'm not saying he is Elijah Hughes. I'm saying there were five of six back, and he's the sixth. And then you have Kadari Richmond, and everything we've heard about Kadari Richmond is good things. You have Jesse Edwards, who... Um, you know, was mostly down, but had a couple of ups last year. You have Barama Sidibe as one of those returners who, you know, was playing as well as he's ever played in a Syracuse uniform at the end of the year. And then, of course, you have Buddy and Joe who are just lights-out shooters. Like, this could be a fun team to watch. Yeah, and and, and part of it is is what you brought up there where the biggest question is, like, who's you know who's going to be that first five out there? Like, you know, is Alan Griffin going to start? Is Quincy going to start? Uh, you know, you expect Marek, you expect... Barama, Joe, and Buddy to start, but it's just kind of that last spot that you sort of have to figure out. Then, obviously, the rotation where Buddy and Joe were playing, you know, near 40 minutes a game. But Kadari Richmond sounds like he's earning his spot. Alan Griffin, obviously, earning earning some of his minutes, you would think, as a transfer. Jesse Edwards, you think, will get in there maybe a little more, maybe less. Marek at center. We'll, we'll, well wait and see on that one. This year, yeah, they... we'll wait and see on that one. Um, and, and then, you know, it's just kind of a lot of sort of thoughts and questions about what the rotation will actually look like this year and how productive those players will actually be when they're actually out on the floor. Right. You know, you mentioned the center spot, and I do think it's funny. They do have seven cent- uh, four centers this year. Like, you could maybe go ahead and not play Marek at the center. Uh, but look, there, there is a strategic advantage to playing Marek at the center. There, there are some things that you can do uh, with him there that are different looks and offer up different things. But I, I don't think that you necessarily want him. And I think that, you know, Jim Beheim has said this in the past. You don't necessarily want him playing 20 minutes at center. Yeah. And and how do you kind of stay away? From, well, you need Jesse to step up or you need Frank Anselm, a, a freshman, to step up or Jean Bolajac, uh, you know, the, the, the redshirt freshman to step up and, and take some of those those minutes away. And, you know, I think that until you see that they can, you'll see Marek at the center. But Eventually, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those three step up and get some backup center minutes. Well, you need them to because, you know, obviously they get the year back, but theoretically, you know, Barama may not return. Who knows? So you're going to need them to step up at some point, whether they're, you know, become the starter in two years or next year. And uh, 
it would be nice to get some consistent production for that position because we saw what this team is when they actually get that. When Brahma was giving them a near, you know, a double double, and if you if you near a double double, it sort of changes the, the the projections of what the team can actually be when it's not just an offensive load carried by three guys, sometimes just two guys on a night, sometimes just one guy on a night. Like if you can hit, you know, four of your five starters giving you consistent offensive production, that's that's how you become a team that can actually compete for, uh, you know, not only the tournament title but the actual regular season title. And, you know, actually maybe make some noise in the tournament. And this team seemed like it was rounding that way when everything stopped at the end of last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when they actually get out there. They're getting a lot of time together right now, a lot of time to kind of gel out, work out some of those kinks and really work out. But obviously, um, until it's out on the court against another opponent, it, you really won't be able to tell. Yeah, I was going to say something similar, where I think that the beginning of the year has the potential to be ugly, um, not not, not as ugly speci- as football, probably. No, and, and not specific to here. I'm saying, generally speaking, like I think that the start of seasons has the potential to be ugly. You saw bad football in college. You saw bad football in the NFL. I think that you'll, you know, when the NBA bubble restarted, it wasn't crisp. Um, they that's why they gave them some of those pre those those exhibitions, and those were pretty awful. But then once they got into the seeding games, you know, things were mostly smoothed out. I think that you're going to see the same thing in. In college basketball, when the NBA restarts, when the NHL restarts, I think that things just aren't going to be crisp. And so you you have to temper your expectations of every team that you're watching to, you know, say, hey, you know what? They didn't get as much practice time or they didn't get any, you know, scrimmages against other teams. They didn't get any exhibition games uh, against other teams. They don't have any real game action under their belt. And you've got to kind of temper your expectations. So yeah, maybe maybe specific to Syracuse, they come out against Bryant that Friday night, and maybe they don't look very good. But like they end up winning, and they do what they should do against Bryant. That's you know going to come in. And the best thing about Bryant, as from a local perspective, is they're going to bring Lucas Sutherland and Charles Charles Pride back to the area to to get him a game in front of no uh, one could see it in front of the home fans. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it like. Okay, maybe they don't look great. Maybe they don't look dominant, but like you get the win, you you show some good things, and you feel better about it because very quickly you're going to roll into your conference schedule. Like I think that they're going to play conference games in December, and you've got to figure out how to be ready for those games and make sure you win the others just to keep your excuse me to keep yourself afloat. Yeah, and and the good thing in that instance is it'll be the same for everybody. Obviously, no one has played a real game since. Literally since March 11th, March 12th, uh, March 11th. Uh, I guess uh, who was it? Uh, the the biggest team. Yeah, that yeah, half. They, they got that half in. So yeah, they're the most they're the most fresh teams uh, out there in terms of playing the last, last time to play an actual game because no one got those overseas trips either. You know, some of those teams make those trips in the summer, right? And then there's obviously none of those exhibitions to lead up to the actual regular season. Like no no SU Lemoyne this year in terms of an exhibition game. You're not bringing that team in from Canada to play them. So the the first time that these teams actually step out on the court and play a game will be November 25th for some teams. And November 27th, it seems, for Syracuse, where the first time they're seeing another opponent, the first time they're actually tipping up, it's there. And it's like, all right, we're, we're doing this for real now. I imagine the first couple of minutes, a lot of bricks, you know, just maybe miss right. some of the just jitters. Shots that yeah. are off the mark, yeah, passes the going around. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, just all of a sudden you're, you're dribbling and you're like, oh, well, like, you know, you lose your dribble kind of thing. But the second half, they'll, they'll fall into form and then they'll, for their sake, hopefully, you know, kind of get rolling and, and kind of get into a nice little groove to start the season. And and then once you kind of get an idea of what the season looks like, that kind of gives you an idea of, of how they need to start. You know, if it's you're playing the top teams of the conference, you expect a slower start. You're playing the bottom teams of the conference, you expect a better start that can hopefully project you to be able to compete with some of those top teams as the season goes on and you get closer to the 
you know, the actual ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament, right. whatever those tournaments look like. Right. You know, it's it's saying this is not saying what we've said in past years of, oh, well, it's a young team or an inexperienced team or something. It's like, no, like it's just going to be sloppy because they haven't played real games. Like, And, and it's not a Syracuse-specific like, I think you'll see that with Duke and with Kentucky and with, you know, the best teams in the country where something just looks a tick off. And it might only be five minutes. It might only be ten minutes. But the the first few minutes of those games, something's going to look a tick off the same way that Navy couldn't tackle when they played BYU the first weekend of the season. Like, something's going to look wrong because you haven't been doing this. But then you still might get that one instance or probably a few instances of some of the teams that just have that superior talent where all of a sudden sure. you're like, I feel like the Titans didn't they only practice like twice, and then all of a sudden they looked you know super crisp. Like you might get some of that where it's like, yeah, sure, we all had the same adjustments in the summer. No one could see each other. We barely really practiced, but all of a sudden, just the high flying talent just overpowers. You know, if it's you know Oregon Dixie State, like as we saw uh, that maybe we're better scheduled. Than you. Yeah, like we're just going to be better, and, and we're still going to win by a lot, even if we're sloppier than we normally are. Let's take time out here. I want to talk about uh, something cropping up in the Big Ten. Big problem at Wisconsin. And uh, the Big Ten didn't do themselves many favors in regard to their scheduling. We'll do that next on Orange Nation.